Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Screen Talk. Uh, this is a hybrid edition because uh, Ryan Latanzio, um, my cohort, is in Sundance. This is Ann Thompson in Los Angeles. So let's start. Uh, we're going to catch up with um, the most recent awards news, and then we'll get we'll get into uh, a little Sundance stuff. Um, so the, this morning, uh, as we record, uh, the BAFTAs came out, and last Sunday. Um, at the Critics' Choice Awards, uh, we learned some things about who's strong and who isn't as strong as we thought. And uh, let's just uh, start uh, there. Uh, Ryan, looking at the um, the latest, where what's strong, what's weak? Emma Stone is strong now because she won the Best Actress at the Critics' Choice Awards that took place on Sunday. Uh over a very harried weekend, I think, for anyone involved in covering awards. And then looking this morning at the BAFTA nominations, uh, of course, we see Emma Stone again included in the Best Actress list. But Lily Gladstone did not make it into this final group of actors, despite being on the long list. That, to me, was a major surprise. Or maybe not. I don't know. What, how did you feel about that, Anne? just looking at this whole thing. I mean, Oppenheimer is steady as they go. I mean, they didn't miss anything, really. They had 13 nominations. Poor things with 11, but they missed director for Yorgos Lanthimos um, and Mark Ruffalo, who didn't get SAG. So Mark Ruffalo is looking a little vulnerable heading into uh, the Oscar nominations. He could still get in. You know, he's a popular guy, but um, he's vulnerable. The one who's really vulnerable, uh, I think I think we can assume, even though Killers of the Flower Moon missed Martin Scorsese and Lily Gladstone and Leonardo DiCaprio, that um, we can assume that Lily and Marty will get in with the Oscars. I just don't see how that doesn't happen. But I could see Leonardo not getting in. And, and that's kind of uh, amazing in a way. Well, what do you think uh, led to so the the lead actress category at BAFTAs is interesting because there's there's six of them. There's Fantasia Fantasia Barino, Sandra Hewler, Carrie Mulligan, Margot Robbie, Emma Stone, and then um, Vivian Oprah for Rye Lane, which was a movie that premiered at uh, Sundance last year, a, a British film. Uh, yeah, great movie. Uh, I, think, yeah. I think Searchlight had it or something, um, or, or Focus, one of the two. Um, I, uh, uh, you, all right, remember with the BAFTAs that they have a, a sort of separate set of uh, voters for acting categories. Um, so that creates a certain, uh, they're trying to make them as inclusive as possible. Which is so, which is why it's so weird that they wouldn't end up not nominating um, Lily Gladstone. But they favor, they favor their own in the end. Finally, they favor the Brits, and uh, someone you know, Napoleon got a few things uh, <laughs> because because it's a British movie, and Poor Things is finally a British movie, and All of Us Strangers. This is the other one that's very strange to me. 
you know, they go, they, they, they give it a number of nominations and then they don't give it Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott. And, and they don't put it in. I mean, it's in for outstanding British film, but it's not in the top category. For but best then film. Andrew Haig, Haig is in there and, and Paul Meskell is in there. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't think Paul any Meskell, of But okay. Andrew Scott gave the performance, I think. I mean, Claire Foy got in. Yeah, I mean, it is Andrew Scott movie. And I don't, but I really honestly, I don't think any of these people or any of them, I think that movie is not getting any Oscar nomination. No, it's not. I, mean, I recognize no, it's that it's, it's no. sweet. It had and, to have a lot of support from BAFTA to get anywhere. Yeah, and it's starting kind of late. I mean, I think it hasn't gone super wide. Searchlight hasn't released it very wide because I think, I mean, this is they my were waiting for nominations. They were, right, which aren't happening now. Which and is so what they did like, with Poor Things as well. Correct, yeah. correct. Now, Poor Things is like in 700 theaters or something, but they're going to go really wide um, when the nominations hit. But All of Us Strangers is still in in limited, very limited uh, release. Yeah, something went wrong with that one. It mm -hmm. it just didn't have the the support that it needed. I mean, you know, you know my feelings about that movie, but I know you're not happy. Uh, no, I'm not. I don't. I am feeling fine. <laughs> All right. So what do you learn from from the BAFTA nominations? You learn that where the support is on the European side of the equation, basically. It, it, they, it's like the the British voters overlap with the Oscar voters to a certain degree, and then they represent in a way what the European vote might be, the international vote. Um, and, and so um, you can see where the strength is, their strength for anatomy of a fall. But the movie, you know, that did very, very well. But the and you've been saying you know you're, you've been you've been hoping that Anatomy of a Fall would do well at the Oscars and it probably will. But the question there, um, Society of the Snow, did not suddenly appear like uh, last year's All Quiet on the Western Front. It just got a normal uh, foreign language nomination. So it's not like it's a big factor because of the BAFTAs. You know, it's interesting about this category, um, not obviously not featured here as a film, not in the English language. You know, something that I heard um, over the weekend is that people voting for international feature film at the Oscars, uh, or I'm sorry, for the final nominations, there is a movement of people intentionally not putting down taste of things because they take umbrage over anatomy of a fall not being the selection. And so now I'm thinking it's very possible that Taste of Things, Taste of Things is vulnerable and I think possible to not get into the final five. It's I just still think pretty this... popular, Ryan. It, it's, sure, a, it's, a, it's sure. a pretty popular movie. But there's a lot of really popular movies you're in, New York. in that Remember category. Remember that you're in New York. Right. New York isn't necessarily we know things in We the... know things in New York. <laughs> <laughs> It is not the same as LA. It isn't. It isn't. And you guys, you guys are a little more um, brainiac than than the the uh, mainstream Angelino voters. That's Let's why I live there. Yes. Yes. I know. <laughs> I align with the brainiacs. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what's going on? You've arrived in Sundance, right? Yes. You are. Uh, to give us a little sense of the place and what's what's on your agenda. Yeah, so I got here yesterday because uh, the festival really kicks off uh, in earnest within the next couple of hours where screenings start um, throughout 
Park City. Normally we have until the evening where for screenings to begin, but this year things are starting earlier. Um, there's a big opening night gala honoring the likes of uh, Christopher Nolan. Kristen Stewart has a couple of movies at the festival. Um, and then that's up against a ton of other screenings. I'm going to the um, world premiere of Freaky Tales. And then that'll be my first taste this year of scrambling to get back to the condo and to punch out a review because that is a, one of the higher profile titles. You know, Eugene Hernandez mentioned to us last week that that's one that he expects will be some um, a, a good deal of buying action. heat behind action behind this one. Exactly. Yeah. And then IndieWire, we have our studio where we're having 40 plus films and their filmmakers come through over the weekend to spend a few minutes with us to uh, talk about their releases and so forth. So which ones are you going to do? I'm oh, doing by the way, I, I have to tell you that at these Critics' Choice Awards on Sunday, I was sitting at the Oppenheimer table. And um, so that was that was cool. It was it was uh, Emily Blunt and her husband, John Krasinski. And they're all very good friends with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Susan Downey. And Kelly Murphy was there. And then on the other side was uh, Alden Ehrenreich who went out of his way to say that his interview at Sundance last year for Fair Play was the smartest interview anyone gave him. I and I did moderate that <laughs> panel, so that's great to hear. I did sense from him that he had a not terrible time because, you know, you see it. I mean, it's like they all do. They do this rigmarole here of like the Deadline Studio, the Rap Studio, the Variety Studio, THR, and then they get to us. And then in between all that, they have to do photos and everything. And so I, we're not always the last and stop. And they get what to I mean, visit all the swag lounges. Don't feel yeah, sorry exactly. for them. No, no. But they're, you know, they're ponied around and being asked the same questions over and over. And so you have to try and give some variety. And especially someone like Alden Ehrenreich, who, you know, last year, I'm sure everybody asked him, I think I probably even did too, out of obligation, <laughs> is, will you play Hans? solo again and so you know i think the word on the street this year is that some talent are they're wary about having to go through everything that's going on in the news or you know it's like when you think about jodie foster saying that thing about gen z a couple of weeks ago and that now she's launching true detective which we'll talk about later but it's yeah. like this is a thing she's gonna have to keep answering to is that she said working with gen z was kind of like was kind of underwhelming he's so because, right <laughs> yeah, i know i know well i'm not gen z so i could i could say that but uh but the funny thing was with she was like you know oh you've made a lot of grammatical errors in this and they'll say well isn't that kind of limiting uh and i, I found that hilarious because i have had that experience. Well, as far as what I'm doing for the studio, one of them, I can't talk about my feelings for any of these movies yet because the embargoes haven't lifted, but one of them is the neon documentary Seeking Mavis Beacon, which I think is going to be a buzzy movie here. Uh, Rory Kennedy has a cult docu-series called The Synanon Fix. I actually have to watch that still. They just cut me the screener, so I'll be talking to her on Sunday. Um, but Anne, I know that both of us, we've already seen a few movies that by the time the podcast goes live, embargoes will have lifted. So I'm sure there's a few that we can talk about now. So yeah. I saw two movies. One is Frida, which is the documentary. I mean, I've seen a few films with two I can talk about. Frida is the documentary from um, Carla Gutierrez, who's a doc as an editor turned documentary filmmaker. She's Peruvian and she's fascinated by this Mexican artist. And the movie is very much made in Spanish. And she had the ability, partly because of that, to really find all this amazing archive stuff. And, and, and so it just gets translated. And she made the decision, which I think a lot of people will debate, um, to animate 
uh, Frida's art to sort of liven things up in the movie. And it's a little creepy, you know, when when Frida's heart starts bleeding and dripping on her dress and stuff like that. Uh, this is this is an Amazon MGM documentary. Uh, and, you know, and it's all told in and her imagine, words. Uh, imagine. Imagine. And it's all told in Frida's own words. So a lot of us, if our familiarity with her is the Julie Taymor movie, like you're going to see a different side of her here. I have to say regarding the animation, I found it extremely creepy, almost defacing in a way. Was, um, I felt violated by it. I, I felt I, it, it. I felt it violated the art, the the or the yeah. the sanctity of the art. I agree, and I listen. I can't speak for Frida Kahlo, but I feel like she sure as shit would not want her paintings to be animated in this way, especially at the final image, the deer that has all of the. Um, the 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 arrows in its side like the arrows are disappearing and the and the deer the deer gallops away to like show free to kind of rise like her spirit sort of rising from the ashes i found this very strange and manipulative yeah yeah i'm afraid i i agree with you and then the uh the other one i saw was thelma which is delightful um a movie about uh, an older woman in her 90s played by the extraordinary June Squibb, who you may remember from Nebraska. And this movie is very similar to Nebraska. It's basically the same idea that a woman of a certain age is capable of moving and grooving and pursuing and doing what she has to do. Um, she's basically chasing down money that was taken from her over the phone in a scam. And she's not going to have it. It's quite delightful. Is this an awards picture, Anne? I don't think so. I think it's 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 a, it's a good solid mainstream crowd pleaser. I do plan to see it. I think I'll watch it virtually when I get back home because you know, starting the twenty fifth through the twenty eighth, a lot of these movies we can see at home. Um, we talked about this. This one, it just sounds very Sundancey to me. Do you know what I mean? And like the fact that it's on a road trip, uh, it. I don't. Yeah, no. I, I I'm curious about it. It's not breaking any new ground as far as movie making is concerned. It's just one of those movies that's, you know, puts one foot ahead of the other in a perfectly direct and uh, delightful way. One that Thanks I to this saw. actress, basically. And, and this movie is looking for acquisition. This is a this is a sales title. And what have you seen? Well, there's one that I can speak to that's premiering uh, on Thursday today, this afternoon. Uh, and then by the time the podcast goes up, embargo will be lifted. Um, I saw it a couple of weeks ago back in New York. Um, and my estimation of it has kind of only grown since is, and, and Neon also has this movie. This is one of the three they're bringing here along with Handling the Undead and Seeking Mavis Beacon. This is called Stress Positions. It's a first time feature directed by Theta Hamel, who is a trans filmmaker who also stars in the movie, uh, which is about a, um, a gaggle of very stressed out people New Yorkers in June 2020. You can imagine this is not a time that we all want to go back and relive. No. Uh, no. And I was living, we were both, we were in LA at that time. I moved to New York a few months later, but you know, these are the, this was the days of the banging of the pots and pans in support of the healthcare workers, just a general atmosphere of paranoia. That's some sort of more equally as contagious as the washing virus. Washing your groceries. You watch it. Yep. Lysoling everything that's that, the, everything that's, that's coming in your path. And John Early plays someone who's going through a divorce divorce and he this this comedian john john early who recently had an hbo special he works a lot with kate berlant he's he's a really funny uh gay comedian and he uh is caring for and nursing his uh nephew who is a moroccan boy 
who uh, is very badly injured and convalescing in bed. And it is about all of these people's sort of prejudices and biases and anxieties that sort of collide over the course of a few days in New York. And uh, Sundance movies really tend to be about like identity and coming of age and sort of in these pressure cooker bottleneck scenarios. I do see this as a trend a lot over the years, but I do think that this movie is kind of interrogating almost what a Sundance movie looks like. Uh, I think it's really funny and really sharply drawn. And I don't know when Neon's releasing it, but it'll be, you know, later this later this year. All right, so. I'll I'll check that one out. I get to I get to do the portal. I mean, some people are sending me links, which is great, but I get to do the portal too uh next week. Um and then uh we have the nominations on October the twenty-third. Uh October listen to me. Uh, and then we have the nominations on January twenty yeah, third. Please God, not October. No, like oh, you're this, still this there. needs to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll never end that's no, right no. oh by the way the the it's interesting the the ccas actually did do well they 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 increased their viewership as the globes did the globes did really well they got a lot of people to watch but partly because they were the first big show i'm quite convinced that's why and then the other the Emmys were depressingly some, low ratings. And then the Emmys were really like bad. Four but that's million also or something. completely predictable. It was the last of, of the, all these awards. All these people had won twice already or three times in yep. the previous week. Yeah, we're cat we're cat we're we're casting season three of White Lotus, but we're still talking about awarding season two of White Lotus. Uh, you know, that was that was a painful evening. And the bear just, people went say. up and the beef yes. people went up and like we've done know, all of this before. It's, <laughs> it's been done. So it's it's it was it was not a bad show per se. I mean, it was certainly better than the Globes was as a show, but um nobody needed to see it. It was it was old old news at, at, at this point. But they can come back. They can come back uh in a normal course of they had been delayed by the strikes. That's all mm -hmm. that everything got crammed into this hideous week week as a result of the of the strikes the other thing that's going on is there's new tv thank you very much we watched true detective and i have to say i really liked it i enjoyed it i loved being in this frozen wasteland in the dark of night and I love Jodie Foster in a role like this. She's it, she's basically playing the Kate um, Winslet role from Mara of East Town. In, yeah. In uh, in the and I don't mind. I don't mind that it's derivative of that. Yeah. She's she's a cantankerous cop in the way that Kate Winslet was. She hates the Beatles. It's not a Beatles fan. Uh, yeah. And you know, putting us it's set in Alaska, putting us in this dark, wintry world. Uh, in the first, in sort of the cold open, if you will, of the show, there's a tongue, a severed tongue on the ground. Of course, you think of John Carpenter, The Thing. I don't think this is going to be a body horror this story. Has similar but aspects to that. Absolutely. And as because well whole as group, this whole lab of guys who've been holed up in this place has disappeared and we discover them at the end of the first episode, frozen in the ice. And there, there, you know, from the first season of the X Files, there's also a very similar episode, kind of inspired by the thing, where it's sort of this bottle episode of just people uh, in a research facility in uh, the Arctic. And there is something very X Files esque about this season so far because because it has a horror of, element, yeah, yeah. And these these apparitions, if you will, the Fiona Shaw seeing this man with no shoes on standing in the snow. It does. I mean, it's putting us in a supernatural mode. As much as I understand from reading reviews of the whole season overall, that some of these supernatural 
episodes are a bit of a red herring. I don't know what that's going to mean, but I'm excited. And also really, I'm really excited for the actor who's her, uh, Jodie Foster's sparring partner in this, who is um, Callie Reese, who got She's some- She's fantastic. Yeah, she's great. And she got some indie awards attention a few years ago for a movie called Catch the Fair One, which is about a, a boxer uh, who's embroiled in a sort of human trafficking network. Well, scandal. one of the things they do in this episode, which is which is what you want, is they establish that character really well. They immediately set her up as extraordinarily powerful and capable and and ruthless, basically. And- I mean... And also, you know, anti-male violence, which which is clear, you know. And, you know, there's a sex scene where she's on top and she's really Very going much at it. <laughs> and so that is character building as well. She's uh, controlling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, there there's something funny. I forget how this was flagged to me. Nick Pizzolato, who was behind the previous three seasons of True Detective, uh, the one with Matthew McConaughey, then Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn and all those, and then Mahershala Ali. His Instagram bio, it still says True Detective, but then in parentheses, not in all caps, Night Country. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> our, think, our, our... <laughs> yeah, there's a little bitterness there, I'm sure. Um, but it, I mean, I do new, think- There's a new showrunner in, in town, a, and, and that's show. okay. And it's definitely flipping the script, if you will, on what has otherwise been a very, a very male, male show. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Well, have fun in Sundance. Uh, there's a part of me that wishes I was there and another part of me that is delighted that I am not. <laughs> Same in some ways for myself. You know, I'm very happy to be here, but it's going to be it's going to be a long week ahead and a lot of burning the candle at both ends and and just have to. Show myself grace, as they say. The two parties I'm sorry to miss are HBO and Synetic, although I always end up waiting in line in the cold for Synetic. Well, apparently the Synetic party, they've already invited over a thousand people and have been told to stop. So, and this is a one where last year, I think I waited and everyone goes to this one, even on the, in the line to get in through security to get on my flight. People are, are you going to the Synetic party? Uh, I ran into someone I know from Synetic. I was like, I didn't get invited. And she's like, neither did I. I, I can tell you anything about it. I waited like an hour and a half last year. No, and you do it. You, you actually do wait, even though you, you tell yourself it's not worth it because it is worth it. Yes. It is yeah. worth it. I will be at that one. And then the night before we have our chili party. So. Oh, good. That'll in a bigger space this year. Yeah. At the shop, at a, at a, it's a yoga studio, I believe. So excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to miss that. All right. Bye-bye, Ryan. Have right, fun. Bye, Ann. Thanks. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.